by your precious name in all I do and say. Let me trust you in the valley dark as well as in the light, knowing you will always lead me. in every change he makes that others would see my life and know that God makes no mistakes and when someday in heaven above I see his dear face may I then be counted faithful as a runner in this race now I'm trusting in the Savior to show me the way. In His righteousness He guides me as I seek to please Him day by day. I know God makes no mistakes. He leads in every path I take along the way that's leading me. in every change he makes that others would see my life and know that God makes no mistakes he makes no mistakes Amen. I thank God so much that he doesn't make any mistakes now listen, none of you, you all are here for a reason. God didn't make a mistake when He sent you along. God didn't make a mistake when He brought you into this world. Oh, parents sometimes act like their kids were a mistake. Listen, you're not a mistake. God has something special for every one of you. And the, the things that happen in our lives, the circumstances, they all, they all eventually, God's trying to get us to a point where we'll someday come to Him for salvation and make that decision. And you know what? Sometimes He leads people through some very dark places. And through some very difficult times, because you know what, a soul—it's worth it. It's worth it. God loves us so much; He's willing to let us go through some hard times, to if it will cause us to come to Him. He loves us. He, while He doesn't want to see us go through hard times, He wants to see us saved. He doesn't want to see us go to hell, and He'll do that. And I, when I was talking to Miss Hazel, Miss Bula this week, they talked about the two how they'd gone through some difficulties and, I, and lost some folks, and I think that was kind of one of the things that. Had them looking, and uh, and God wasn't making a mistake in that. And that, those hard times, they don't have to be for nothing if we will uh, follow God's will and do what He wants us to do. And I'm so thankful. I'm just I'm thrilled to death. I'm I'm so excited for uh, Liberty Baptist Church, and um, I believe that uh, the Lord He's doing great things. There's going to be many more great things uh, that are done. And I tell you, as a as a pastor, you know, I try to. You know, you're always 
wondering, you know, what you know, what do you preach next, and what things do we need to be focusing on right now as a church? And boy, you know, the Lord a while back really spoke to me about uh, you know preaching this series through First John uh, about knowing that you're saved. And um, uh, I tell you, it's going to be hard to be victorious as a Christian if you have doubts and if you're not sure. And it's really going to be hard to be victorious if you haven't got it. And listen, don't ever think that a church or anybody that would look down on you for getting saved maybe after being in church for years, maybe maybe you've been a Sunday school teacher, maybe you've been a deacon, maybe you've been all those things. Don't ever think that people are going to look down on you if you admit that that whole time you weren't saved. Listen, Satan can deceive people. He can, and there's many people that they think they're saved and... Uh, that's, but they. That's why we're here. That's why we say the word of God, so we can find out for sure, and we can make sure. And sometimes it takes a long time. And Satan, listen, Satan has no problem with you going to church as long as you don't give your heart to Christ. He has no problem with you doing good works, helping your neighbor, uh, being a good person, even put money in the offering plate, anything like that. He has no problem with you doing that as long as you don't give your heart to Christ. And the truth is. It's easier to get people to go through their life without ever realizing their need for a Savior in church than it is out in the world living a wicked life. Those folks out there, they know that there's something missing in their life. They know that they need something, but many people in churches today really have been depending on their religion. And um, your religion can't get you to heaven. And I love I love this church, and I love, but this church can't save you. And that's something that that's a decision between you and God. And I tell you, one thing I, I want you to always know too is I'm I'm always available. If there's ever maybe questions you'd like me to come over and talk to you, or come here and me talk to you. I mean, uh, listen, I I love I love sharing the Bible with people. I love love giving the gospel. I enjoy it. Uh, it's if I I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I was not willing to do those things. And I I, I do. I really enjoy it. Don't ever be afraid to. Uh, call me and ask me to come over. You're not putting me out. That is part of what you do as a pastor. I don't believe pastoring is just getting up and preaching and running your mouth on Sundays. Even though that is a lot of fun. I guess that's probably one of the more fun parts of it. <laughs> but it's not. It's not all there is to it. And um, so don't don't ever don't ever hesitate to give me a call. And uh, I'd love I'd love to help you with this if it's something that, if there's questions that you might have. But we're gonna go First John chapter four today. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of of error. We're going to go through verses one through six today, and really these are all an introduction into uh, into really something else. Because you know one of the things that happens many times when you give the gospel message to people 
is they have trouble getting it. Now, you, now if you've been saved for a long time, sometimes we forget and we don't understand that because we look at that gospel message and the truth is it is very simple. It is very easy to understand. It, it, it's, it's very simple. So why do people have trouble with it? Why is it hard? Why does it get confusing? Well, there is a very good reason for that. Why people do have a difficult time grasping that. And we're going to get into that. But first of all, though, I want us to kind of go through this passage and look at some things that will probably cause that question to come into your mind. Why do so many people not get this? And many times people will get discouraged and think maybe there's something wrong with this message because I can't get people to understand it. Or maybe I can't understand, maybe you just think I can't understand it myself. I just feel like there's something missing. And I believe that we, uh, hopefully through this message, you can find out what it is and it can really help you come to grips with some things when it comes to salvation. But the first thing you need to realize that we see here in verse 1 is that we cannot believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything you hear. And I'm not just saying it from the world. I'm saying even from churches today, even from pulpits, you cannot believe everything that you hear. Not every church out there is preaching the truth. And that's where people get confused. So how do we know which one? I mean, look how many religions there are. How in the world can we find the right one? And the truth is, it should be simple. There's a reason people still have a hard time. We're not, but we're going to get into that. But we can't believe everything we hear. Not everything that comes from even a preacher is true. There are false prophets out there. Matthew 7.15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He, Jesus said, beware. He said they're going to be there. There's going to be false prophets out there. There are preachers that are out there today. I'm not going to point the finger at any of them. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend you do it. But I'm here today to tell you that they're there. They're out there. And they are preaching lies. They're false prophets. They're not doing it for the right reason. They are trying to deceive. They are lying. They don't sound like it. They sound like they're telling the truth. I mean, if you don't believe, if you don't believe that, I mean, I mean, then maybe you're one of those that believe that all politicians tell the truth. Listen, I think a lot of preachers should have been politicians because they are very convincing when it comes to telling lies. They probably should have done that. But there are false prophets out there. I, I challenge you to read the, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 43. Sometimes the parable of the wheat and the tares. Where Jesus said Satan was going to sow tares among the wheat, or he was going to put the lost among the saved. He said he was going to do that. It's going to happen. It's there. But God's given us a test that we can give them. We see there in verse, or he said to try the spirits. And he puts a test out there. He says, Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So in other words, there's a very simple way that we can tell, see who's telling the truth, and that is we have to make sure that what they say lines up with Scripture. Okay, it's not just... Not if There's a lot of groups out there that are lying through their teeth that will say, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Right? It doesn't mean automatically these people are telling the truth. If anybody 
tells you something that is contrary to the Scriptures, then that's not truth. That is Antichrist. They're not the Antichrist. You've all heard about the Antichrist that's going to come in the end times, but they are an Antichrist. They're against Christ. They're against the Bible. This is, this is His Word today. Jesus Christ is not what we all, what the majority of people think about Him. It's not what the majority of religion says about Him. What Jesus Christ says, the way that we find out who He is, is through God's Word. What the Bible says about Him. And if somebody comes along and says something opposite, like He was not born of a virgin. You know, if you, uh, are into the Da Vinci Code and believe that you know Jesus Christ married Mary Magdalene and had children. Okay, that is antichrist. That is against the completely against the scriptures. It is against the gospel message. That is the spirit of antichrist. You can mark. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote that book, but he is an antichrist. He is a false prophet. If he is, if he is pushing that, and many people have jumped on that. And that's the spirit of Antichrist. It's not the truth. But to be Antichrist simply means to be against Christ. And anybody that's pushing a message that's different than the message that God gave us is Antichrist. They're against Christ. To be anti, anti means to be just against something. I'm anti this or I'm anti that. It means to be against something. And there are people that are against the Word of God. They are teaching things that are different. The Bible does not go along with their agenda that they have. They don't use the Scriptures. I mean, many preachers, they occasionally, I mean, they might come up with one verse. I mean, maybe, maybe two verses. Use hardly any Scriptures in their preaching. You know why? Because what all that other stuff that they're about to say doesn't line up with Scripture. If they give you too much Scripture, then they're going to prove themselves wrong. And the truth is, that is that's the spirit of Antichrist. But an Antichrist has no power over a true believer. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. And notice how when it says, and the world heareth them, in other words, it means they hear them, yet they understand them. They get that. That makes sense to them. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, if you want to turn over there, Romans 8, 16, hold your finger there in 1 John. I want to show you a verse here. Says the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So I gave you a lot of scripture, but basically, what all this is saying right here is there's listen. There's two different spirits. There's two different attitudes out there. A saved person, they've got the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in them. A lost person does not have the Holy Ghost dwelling in them. They're spiritually, they are dead. When the world speaks, the lost. They get that. They understand that. They hear them. Because what they say lines up with their way of thinking. You know why? Because they're both lost. They have that in agreement. But a saved person, when they hear a message that's contrary to the Word of God, there's something in their spirit. They might be a new believer. They might not even know the Bible real well. But there's something in their spirit that says, that's wrong. He's not telling the truth. They can't give you the Scripture verse for it. They might 
Uh, they might not have ever even heard it, but there's something inside them that says, I shouldn't listen to that person. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with this, your spirit, that spirit that's inside of you, and those two are going to agree together. And the truth is, the spirit of Antichrist, it is strong today. And it's powerful and it's deceiving many. But a person who is truly saved, they're not going to be deceived by that. You know why? The Bible says, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And many times, boy, people, they look and they get discouraged and they think, you know, how in the world can I know the truth? And they're, they're not confident in themselves. They think, how can I know that I'm doing the right thing? There's no way I could possibly know. There's so many religions out there. There's so many Bibles that are out there. There's so many different ways of teaching. How can I possibly know that I've got the right, uh, that I've got the right one? And I'm, t- I'm here today to tell you that if you, if, the, if the message has got to line up with the Bible, that God gave us His Word so we could check. So we could make sure. And He gave us His Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that's, that's inside of us, if you're saved, He's going to guide you into truth. Listen, you mean I've heard stories of people. You know, they'll talk about how maybe they had gotten saved and maybe they never really been taught anything. They go into one of these churches, that one of these crazy churches that preach some of these wacky things and they just... It's like I went in there and I just knew something was wrong. I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. And then, you know, I came to this church and, boy, there's a something. I knew it was where I needed to be. As soon as I walked in the place, I knew this was where I needed to be. Why? The Holy Spirit. It told them. It agreed what was going on in the service. While the preaching, maybe they never heard those scriptures before. There was something in their spirit that agreed with what was being said because it lined up with the Scriptures. Listen, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, do not, they do not contradict each other. They don't go against each other. People say all the time, well, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to do something totally contrary to the Bible. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. If somebody tells you to do something contrary to the Bible, that's not the Holy Spirit. Well, God told me to, you know, God told me to kill my wife. No, no He didn't. God didn't tell you that. Well, the Holy Spirit told really He gave me a piece about it. I, you know, I, I knew it was the right thing to do. She was driving me crazy. No, the Holy Spirit does not work that way. He doesn't lie. He doesn't go against the Scriptures. And if you're saved today, that Holy Spirit is inside of you, and the and the Word of God is going to agree. You're going to understand it. But if you're not saved, you're probably going to connect better with what the world says that Jesus Christ. He wasn't really the son. He he was just a good man. He was a good man. He was probably he was maybe a prophet. He did a lot of good things. Had a lot of good teachings. But you know, as far as him being God, no. As far as him being the only Savior, why? I mean, how how bigoted that is to think that he's the only Savior? No. And maybe you connect better with that. Maybe you understand. Maybe that makes sense to you. Well, the Bible says uh, here in First John that the world, or that the world, it heareth them; it understands that it because they speak of their own. There's a connection there. It makes sense to them. And for, listen, when you're saved, that Holy Spirit said you're not going to have all the answers, but especially as you get in the Word of God and as you learn, you're going to you're going to learn to discern truth. You're going to learn to be able. To tell the difference, you'll be able to know when something not right 
is going on. Somebody gets up and they preach something that's contrary to the Word of God, there's going to be something in your spirit that says, there's something wrong there. I've been there before. I've heard people preach things, maybe think people that I respected and I thought were telling the truth, and I'll hear them get up and preach something. I'm like, something wrong with that. And whenever that happens, what it causes me to do is it causes me to go to the Word of God. And I look, does that line up? Does that go along with the Scriptures? And if it doesn't, I know not to listen to that. And we, I tell you, it's sad though how many people are being taken away by some of these false doctrines and false teachings. And I have to wonder, based on the Word of God, I wonder if they ever really truly were saved. How could how could they believe that? How could they go along with that? I mean, you hear about you know some of these cults that are out there and the things that they can get people to do. How do they get them to do that? How could and a lot of times a lot of people who are in cults today used to belong to good fundamental Bible believing churches. And you think how did they how did they go from that to that? You know what? I think they're they're missing something important. They never truly had received Christ as their Savior. Just growing up in a good church is not going to save you. Got to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Antichrist has no power over a true believer. We have the ability to discern truth. The lost, they're going to connect with the Antichrist message, but not with ours because the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in them. And I say all that really to take you to another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And you know, you think, man, it's, 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 it's so confusing. I mean, how can I get that? I mean, you go, sometimes I'll be witnessing to people and I'll tell them, it's like, hey, they, they say, I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. And then you tell them, all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and ask Him to come in your heart and save you and then you lose Him. All of a sudden you lose Him. Hey, just pray and ask Him. And it's, and it's hard to get them to do that. They don't want to do that. Why is that? Why is it this message, it's so simple. Why do we always lose people when it comes to finally tell them, just, just ask? Why is that so hard? Well, one reason is because this message that we give is very foolish. And you say, what? The gospel message is foolish? Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You see, a saved person, sometimes we get a little frustrated with think, how can they not get this? How can they not get this? Because to them, it's foolishness. What? Just pray? That's all I gotta do? No. If, listen, if we told people, you gotta start coming to church, you gotta get baptized, you gotta, you know, take communion, you gotta do all these sacraments and things, you gotta do good works, you gotta make sure your good works outweigh your bad works, you can't ever kill anybody, you can't ever commit suicide, you can't ever... If we did all that stuff, people flock to that. People are all over that kind of thing. If we went and did some ritual and said, alright, you know, we gotta bring you up in church, we're gonna have everybody put their hands on you and pray, and as we're praying, all of a sudden you're gonna just, you're gonna start levitating, you're gonna float around the room, and you're gonna start to glow a little bit, and you're gonna have this overwhelming feeling, and you're gonna start speaking in tongues and speaking in this angelic language that you've never heard in your life. People would be all over that, and people are all over that kind of thing. But then when we say, 
Just, just ask. Accept the free gift. To a lost person, that's foolish. That is foolishness. You may remember the story. I was talking to Hazel and Beulah about this. About Naaman, the leper. Here he was, a mighty man of valor. A soldier. He was a warrior. But he had leprosy. It was going to kill him. He was, he was going to die. And somebody told him about a prophet in Israel named Elisha that could heal him of his leprosy. And he goes and he finds that man Elisha and he brings all these garments and treasures that he's going to give Elisha. And boy, he's excited. He's expecting Elisha to come out and do some great thing and cure him of his leprosy. And he shows up there and Elisha doesn't even come out of his house. He sends his servant out. And his servant tells Naaman, Go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be clean. And he got mad. He went away wroth. You think, hey, it's going to heal you of your leprosy. He's, he's like, no, I thought he was going to do some great thing. And finally, one of Naaman's servants comes to him and says, listen, Master, if he had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. Why not go ahead and dip in the Jordan River these seven times? And he ended up doing it. Listen, if Elisha would have said, Go out and slay a dragon. Go out and defeat an army all by yourself. You know, go 40 days without eating. He would have done any of those things to cure himself of the leprosy. But he said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. That's too easy. That's too simple. But thank God, he did. He went, he got in that river and he dipped himself seven times in there and he came up and his skin was is just like a newborn baby's. The leprosy was gone. And that message of the Gospel to the world is foolish because it's just too easy. It's way too easy. Verse 19 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. That's what the Bible calls it. I'm doing it. This is foolish. Just a guy getting up and ranting about what the Bible has to say. That's what we need. That's what's one of the things that's going to cause people to realize their need for a saving salvation. The Bible says it pleased God to use that. To use the foolishness of preaching. This isn't something that's, salvation is not something that's just for the wise. Before we started the church, when we were out knocking doors, I came across three Mormons. And I remember I was talking to them, and they, they tried, it was an attempted assault. Or not assault, insult. <laughs> not assault, yeah, we didn't get physical or nothing. It was an attempted insult that they made on me, but we were talking. And I, I gave him one of our flyers and one of our tracks, and he's kind of looking through it a little bit. And the one looks at the guy and says, Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to give this to so and so. His name is some lady, I don't remember what it was. He's like, I think she would like this. And they're like, Yeah, I think she would. He's like, yeah, she she's in bad shape. She's I mean, and they started talking about she was a very immoral person. She's like, Yeah, we tried to get her into the Mormon church, but the Mormon teaching it kind of goes over her head. It's like I think she can get this. And it was an attempt because a lot of them cults they like to think that they are wiser than everybody else, that they receive some higher knowledge. And the truth is, while he was trying to insult me, that was really a compliment. Because the truth is, the plan of salvation, it is simple. It is foolishness to them that are lost. And they're lost. And that is foolishness. 
I mean, right there in that track, that's how you get. That's all you have to do. I mean, what? Are you serious? Yeah, she can handle this. She would like this. And I, and I, and you know what I told him? I said, well, you know, what I said, and I, I recognize the fact they were trying to insult me, and so I kind of got one back on them. I said, well, you know, what? I said that's a great thing about the gospel message. I said anybody can receive it. I said it doesn't have to be smart people. It doesn't have to be rich. I mean, anybody can get anybody can get it if they just admit that they're a sinner. It's it is a simple plan. I thank God He did it that way. And the truth is, the wisdom of this world, the the people in this world who think that they're so smart and think they're so great, when they hear that, what? Just accept that free gift. That's too simple, and that's foolishness. And the Bible says that it pleased God to use that. It pleased God to use the foolishness of preaching. And it says for, in verse 22, uh, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The, many people today they want to see signs. You know, if I, they, well, I get saved if I could, just, I could just have some kind of sign. If the Lord would do some kind of miracle, if He would. Uh, just you know, open up the sky and let me get a little glimpse of heaven. If I could have a sign, then I'd do it. You know, the Bible says a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. We're not supposed to look for signs. We're supposed to trust the Word of God. It says the Gentiles they seek after wisdom. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I mean, if somebody comes along and they make up some religion that's really, really complicated that you have to have a genius IQ to understand. A lot of people would want to go after that. They'd study that. They want that. Some people want the wisdom things. They like the impressive religions that have all the, you know, all the weird stuff. So the cults are, are running rampant out there. And one thing that they all kind of have in common is they're all, they've all achieved something mentally that not everybody else is able to achieve. And let me tell you, that has nothing to do with salvation. The plan of salvation, it's simple. And it is foolishness to the world. And it says, but we preach Christ crucified. That's our message. Is Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under Greeks foolishness. The Jews don't like hearing about that because Jesus was a Jew who claimed to be Messiah that they have not accepted as a Messiah. To the Greeks... Well, that's just foolishness. That's too easy. That's way too easy. That's way too simple. But under verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We, those who are saved, we understand that while this message that we're given is simple, we have no problem. You know, I'm not embarrassed about giving the gospel message. If I go and I witness to a Mormon, or if I go witness to somebody who thinks that they're smarter than everybody else, I am not ashamed one bit about when I go to them and I say, hey, plan of salvation, it's simple. You just got to realize you're a sinner. Call on Christ for salvation. Accept that free gift. I'm not ashamed to do that. Because if you're saved, you understand that that's the power of God. That's how people get saved by accepting that free gift. That gift that's by grace. It's unmerited favor. It's not of works. We understand that that's exactly how you get saved. And it's the power of God. And it excites us. We get excited about that. I thank God that that's what it is. Because it works. It's the truth. Verse 25, "...because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men." A lot of the weird religions out there, it's like they think they're smarter than God is. But the foolishness of God is wiser than the best of us. 
God is so high above us. His ways are so far above us. Well, why did God do it that way? Why did God do the simple plan? Why couldn't God have said good works outweigh your bad works? We all understand that. We all get that. Why didn't He do that? Well, for one, our good works would never outweigh our bad works. But two, we might not ever completely know until we're in heaven. God's ways are so far above our ways we can't comprehend it. And God has, God has chosen this. And into the world it's foolishness. Verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, the ones who God uses in this world today, or in His church today, are not usually, they're not, it's not always the smartest people. Now listen, smart people, they can get saved. Smart people can be greatly used of God, and they are sometimes. Not many noble, not many mighty. It's, but it's not usually those people. It's not usually the ones that you would expect. You know why? Because in verse 27 it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. When I surrendered my life to preach, when God called me to preach, I remember I was at camp when that happened. I remember I came back home and Dad wanted me to tell the church about it. I remember I got up in church and I read that verse to him. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I said, I believe that that's why God has chosen me to preach the Gospel. Because the truth is, I'm not, I don't have the highest IQ in the world. I'm not the best looking in the world. I'm not... I'm not best at anything. And you know, I thank God that I don't have to be for Him to use me. And neither do you. God can use you. Really, I mean, the more unqualified you think you are, more than likely the more qualified you actually are. And the more qualified you think you are, the more unqualified you probably are. If you think, oh yeah, I've got the ability. I've got the ability to do all these things. I could do it. Then God can't use you. Because the truth is, if I was the smartest guy in the world, if I was the best looking guy in the world, if I was all those, if I was the strongest guy in the world, then it would be completely understandable why everybody, you know, wanted to listen. And it would be me getting the glory and not God. God uses foolish things. Thinking, how can He use that person? That's what God wants. That's what God has chosen. God has, God used weird things all the time in the Bible. He used Aaron's rod. Turn it into a serpent. He had him use it to dip it in the water, turn the water. But he uses different things all the time. God used a donkey in the Bible. God used all kinds of weird things that we would never expect God to use. God used a hollow jaw of a donkey so he could give water to Samson. And God used a rock to get water from, to give water to thousands upon thousands of people. God uses things like that because it shows. That this is really is of God. And then verse twenty eight, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Notice that things which are despised. Sometimes God uses the people that are despised. Some of the people that we look at and think God could never do anything with those people. Those people, they're scum. They're worthless. They're no good. They, they, they'll never accomplish anything. They'll never do anything for God. Sometimes those are the ones God uses the most. Some of the best Christians I know used to be some of the most wicked people you'd ever know. 
But God changed him. God saved him. God used him. And it says why in verse 29? That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Listen, folks, we, God, I know people, they act like, you know, we have this attitude that, you know, God shouldn't be allowed to ask anything of us. I don't know where we get that idea, but people are like that. But listen, we are here. We were created for His pleasure. Our main purpose as a church, as a people, as anybody, is to give glory to God. That's, that's our main purpose. And it's not up to us to question or think what would glorify Him better. We glorify Him when we follow His Word. And God is glorified in this plan of salvation that we teach here. This simple plan. And just accepting that free gift of salvation. Which to the world, it's foolishness. But it's where God is glorified. And he, he used, He's chosen the foolish things. So no flesh, no person, no individual can glory in themselves. I cannot glory in myself that I'm going into heaven. I can't glory in myself that I'm, I'm a pastor of a church today. I can't glory in any way that God uses me. God gets all the glory for that. I'm saved today, but God, I give God the glory for every bit of that. I thank God for what He's done here at this church, but you know I can't take any credit for it. God gets all of the glory for that. And the truth is, many people today, they they just can't bring themselves. I can't bring myself to accept that. And I believe that the real reason many people have trouble with that is because of pride. That pride steps in the way. I can't. That's just that's too easy. That's too simple. They want to hear something different. It's kind of like if you ever maybe somebody ever tell you a joke and you know you kind of get excited, you know, like of course the famous why the chicken cross the road. We all hate that joke. You know why? Because it's just stupid. We like the ones that, oh, okay. Where you really have to think. The real clever, intelligent riddles where there's all you know, all these hidden things and you gotta maybe have some smart I never get those ones that you have to just give me the answer. But we're like that with religion. How do you get saved? Well, what you have to do, you know, and we, we want some real complicated, intelligent answer that really challenges the mind. How do you get saved? Trust in Christ. Ask Him to save you. That's it. That's it. And those of us who are saved, we understand that that is it, and that's not a bad thing. It is the power of God. It will save you. It will work. It will take you to heaven. I believe that the simplicity of the gospel is where we where we lose a lot of people because pride steps in. Don't let that be you. So you might maybe maybe even searching all your life. I mean, can you imagine all your life you're searching trying to find the truth. You're trying to find something and it's been difficult for you. And then finally somebody tells you that's all that's it. That's all it was. That's all I was supposed to do. You've got to be kidding me. I hate computers because they. I have a tough time figuring them out, and I get. I'm always getting confused, and I'll be trying to do things. Sometimes I'll spend hours. It seems like trying to get something to work on there, and then finally I'll call somebody. I'm like, yeah. "How do you do this? Oh, all you have to do is, you know, one. Cl- what? That was all I needed to do. It was that simple. Why didn't I get that? And people get frustrated by it. 
But the truth is, no, there's, uh, you would think you're a nut if I was like, no, there's got to be a harder way to do this. <laughs> but that's how we are with salvation. Well, it says, no, there's got to be a harder way to get saved. That's what, but the truth is, that's what people are saying they want. And that's because of pride. People want to do something for their own salvation. We can't. We, we're, we're sinners. We can't do anything about our own salvation. All we can do is throw ourselves at the mercy of God and say, hey, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, can I please have that free gift of salvation? And if you do that, He will give it to you. He will save you from your sins. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.